I'm Roy Sharples and welcome to the Unknown Origins podcast. Why are you listening to this podcast? Are you an industry expert looking for insights? Are you growing your career? Or are you a dear friend helping to spur your pal on? I created the Unknown Origins podcast to have the most inspiring conversations with creative industry personalities and experts about entrepreneurship, pop culture, art, music, film, and fashion. Mariana Amatulo is the Vice Provost for Global Executive Education and Online Strategic Initiatives at the New School, New York, and Associate Professor of Strategic Design and Management at Parsons School of Design. Mariana has an esteemed educational background in design and creative arts and is a recognized thought leader in design for social innovation. She is currently spearheading new curricular initiatives and partnerships to bring executive education and large-scale bespoke programs for corporate and enterprise partners and online degree and certificate programs at the university. Hello and welcome, Mariana. What inspired and attracted you to the design for innovation space in the first place? We start developing a narrative about our lives after the fact <laughs> yeah. and, and start uh, answering these questions in a way that make a lot of sense. Um, but the truth is, um, you know, if I want to be super honest, when I go back in time, um, as I got very interested in, in the space of design for social innovation and, and design education that I'm in, I think I sort of landed in it um, without the intentionality that, of course, I built over the years. You know, brought up as a kid of diplomats around the world, and that instilled a lot of curiosity in me uh, as, as, a, as a thinker and as a human being. I was coming from an informal education um, of growing up the UN uh, halls, both in New York and Geneva, where my dad was posted, and always very aware of, um, you know, diversity, different different cultural experiences around the world, and the work of the United Nations. So I was always very attracted by questions of the social and, you know, what do we do um, to make people's lives better? Um, and I think that I naturally started gravitating at the, in those very early days to work I was seeing in my institution at the time, Mark Center College of Design, where, um, where designers were coming up with incredible products and communications and you know, initiatives that had a social purpose. So I think it was at the beginning a little bit intuitive, quite quite frankly. You can detect a sophisticated transatlantic dialect in your accent, European, South American, and obviously North American. Learning languages um, in a very privileged manner, you know, as a kid, uh, with uh, without the effort, again, that one has to put when you're an adult. Um, yeah. We were often just, you know, landing in places and put in in the local public school and had to figure out um, that's how I learned French in, in Switzerland. Um, 
I sort of had no choice. Being brought up and exposed to that environment at such a young age must have made you very adaptive as a human because travel is a catalyst for inspiring innovation and creativity because you experience different cultures and diverse societies and learning to appreciate and respect these differences in lifestyle and behaviour unites us. Travelling forces us to depart from the familiar and take on a world of new experiences, cultures, languages, architectures, foods and lifestyles that influence our minds, bodies and souls by shaping us into better, more well-rounded people with a more integrative worldview. And we get exposed to and understand people's dynamics, life, cultures, subcultures, customs, religions, languages, governments, economics and and arts. And of course, idiosyncrasies exist, though fundamentally, people are the same everywhere in that we are all born, live and die, have loves, hates and passions. The same biotic structure of brain, nerves, organs and skin. We breathe, drink and eat to stay alive. However, What makes us unique is how we self-identify by interpreting the world around us, discovering our own strengths and expressing our personalities, talents and triumphs. I think so. I think, you know, there there is a lot of research uh, out there now these days about, um, you know, the, the the importance of, you know, cognitive flexibility, I would say, and uh, exposing children uh, early on to um, you know different experiences, different contexts. Uh, certainly, um, the very important conversation around diversity and inclusion. We know how important that is, and how um, stronger our institutions, companies, organizations are as a result. And I think that when you are uprooted um, and are you know, living in in different parts of the world from from early on, you just soak that up in in a way, again, that is, um, you know, very natural. What is your creative process in terms of how do you dream up new ideas, develop those ideas into concepts, and then turn those concepts into actualization? I'm more on the side of someone who is a little bit of a creative strategist, creative director in in some and, and, and really educator and facilitator in, in many of these design for social innovation projects that I've been part of. Um, and that process of making the invisible visible. Um, in terms of my personal contribution, a lot of what I do is uh, mediate, articulate, narrate, um, you know, craft the value proposition. Yeah. Um and craft the conditions for others to make that happen, right? For faculty uh, design teams that I work with um, yeah. and students of mine. Um, I've been uh, very, you know, again, fortunate to, to be part of many, many projects and study many projects um, and uh, be a, hang out with, with amazing uh, designers and makers uh, around the world who are making this happen, but um, I want to be super, super modest here to say uh, my contribution is much more on the strategy facilitation side. And how do I make that happen? 
Um, you know, it goes a little bit back to what you were asking earlier about adaptability and yeah. um, honing, I think, a craft in, in my case for bridging, translating, um, you know, knowledge processes and processes that I have witnessed and, yeah. uh, and really studied of design to be able to bridge that to non-designers and um, and really lift them up and advocate for their importance. So, you know, as a, as a researcher, I've had the opportunity to uh, spend a lot of time trying to answer a question that was, you know, that continues to be the research question I pursue in my writing and in my research and publishing, which is how do we uh, demonstrate the value uh, that designers bring through their creative process to questions, uh, you know, to the big issues yes. of our time, to the big social issues of our time. So I've done a lot of research in mixed methods, both in, you know, qualitative uh, qualitative methods, but also quantitative using using statistics and surveys to really try to to get to how do I how do we identify what makes um, design as a discipline such an important um, uh, you know body uh, and uh, of knowledge, but also a mindset. Yeah. to be able to create and to innovate with, with a purpose that yields better results and um, making the, the the invisible visible for me as a researcher, for example, has been being able to develop um, research uh, with other colleagues that show that actually you can measure, you can isolate uh, something called design attitude, right? This, uh, yeah. We talk a lot about design thinking, um, but this other concept that that others and myself have been working on, design attitude, is really this uh, idea that there is a mindset, a cognitive way of processing um, challenges that, that creative and design people bring that allows us to... Um, you know, uh, be creative, be empathic, connect yes. the dots, um, navigate ambiguity, all of these uh, sort of, uh, you know, ways of approaching uh, a challenge that then uh, yield very exciting creative solutions, trying to document, write, articulate, and translate this in ways that others who are not in the design and creative communities can start understanding it. What do you believe the key skills are for designing for social innovation? Humility. Um, I think the the age of right the, the genius uh, designer, um, creative solo person who who comes up uh, with um, a fantastic product or uh, communication artifact is is has been long over. Right design has become a team sport, we know, for, for quite some time. And um, this applies to corporate projects, of course, and in, in, uh, in private sector areas, but it also, for sure, uh, applies in, in the social and public sector, right? If you're working in government with policymakers, if we're working in NGOs um, and international or organ multilateral organizations, that are trying to address issues like, um, you know, climate change, yeah. um, uh, the pandemic, etc. You really are working as uh, as one 
of a number of folks, both in teams of designers and multidisciplinary designers, but also in teams with non-designers. So uh, the ability to be humble, to be collaborative, um, to uh, be also, I think, quite articulate um, and uh, self-aware about the process and the value you're bringing um, is very important because what we see in the in the social and public sector, um, because we're working with colleagues in policy, in management, um, in many other disciplines that have traditions that have a bias towards yeah. quantifying, towards surveys, towards you know quant data. Um, you have to be able to. Um, Really stand on your on your feet and defend ideas with um, the other processes we have in design, which you know not are don't look the same, right? We might be prototyping, iterating, visualizing a concept, and that is super important. We might be working in a non-linear manner um, that sometimes puts you know other other disciplines a little bit out of their comfort zone. Yes. So I think having um, having the, the, the toolkit and the confidence to do that uh, takes a serious um, hard work is really important as a skill set, that articulation power, I would say. Many innovations are classic examples of outsiders who disrupted, invented, and changed the faces of industry, often by accident. Disruption can have a domino effect outside the intentional target and area of expertise. For example, Apple's iTunes became a multimedia content and hardware synchronization management system, an e-commerce platform, when it was originally envisioned as a music player. It ended up disrupting the music industry by providing consumers with the ability to legally buy only the songs they wanted to hear at a significantly lower cost than other platforms. Another example is Coca-Cola, which was first invented by pharmacist John Steeth Pemberton to cure headaches before becoming a household name. This is like outsider art, where the actual art is produced by self-taught artists with no formal training, who can often have a naive quality because they have not been trained as artists or worked within the conventional art production structures. They do not follow a conventional path, structure or formula. They follow their instinct and define their own structure and style. Therefore, sometimes the further you are from a problem, the more likely you will find a solution because you can see the solution from a fresh perspective and often apply novel solutions to a disparate field. Hence your point around the importance of cross-discipline collaboration and problem solving. Yes, and, and you know, building on what you're saying about the fresh eyes. Um, yeah. We did um, a few years ago a beautiful project in Cuba, in Havana, with the design school uh, ISBI in Havana, which is the only design school in Cuba, and Art Center College of Design, and uh, a publication we uh, we put together of that student project that brought students from, from, you know, international students based in the U.S. at Art Center with, with uh, students from, from Cuba was called um, Fresh Eyes Cuba. And it really was a project that was looking at multicultural collaboration, sense-making, taking the lead from our colleagues in Cuba 
And having um, this other international team of students really be there to learn and only really be catalyst and fresh eyes yes. um, to to that you know immersive experience that they were sharing together and learning from each other um, and sort of creating the conditions for fresh eyes to happen you know both on both sides both on the um, experts who were our colleagues in Cuba in that project and and the and and the faculty and those of us coming the students and and you know facilitators like myself coming from outside you know I've done a lot a lot of projects very passionate about uh, projects that bring students to the field and get to be immersed in other contexts with local local community organizations and locals really leading the way um, and not parachuting in, um, yeah. you know, from the global north as the experts, but really facilitating these, uh, especially in, in higher ed, in moments where you're trying to really nurture many possibilities for students to, um, uh, you know, go beyond the theory, beyond the textbooks and the case studies and the studio and the privilege of many of our universities here in the United States and get them really working in situ in the field. And many of these projects I've done over the years and others that I've studied, often um, the uh, sort of the challenge is um, to, uh, to not try to come in with a solution, but to really listen and um, only maybe amplify or identify something that is already there that um, a local community may have already been, um, you know, creating and designing as a solution and helping helping lift it up. So sometimes it's really, um, you know, we, we work with students to say it's, it's really not about, you know, designing a new shiny object um, that might be very cool uh, in your mind, but it's 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 all it's it's the contrary. What are your lessons learned in terms of the pitfalls to avoid and the keys to success in designing for social innovation? I think you know we're seeing a very important moment in design education, and um, globally, I am the president of a special network called the Cumulus Association, which bring some 360 universities from around the world, come together through two annual conferences that different universities host every year, uh, activities, conversations, communities of practices, publications, etc. And what I'm seeing uh, from that global perspective, even outside the higher ed uh, design education perch I have in, in a fantastic you know, institution like Parsons, where I'm a professor, what we're seeing is a very important conversation around the shifts that are occurring in terms of we're we're calling in in this book that I that I co-edited with colleagues uh, geographies of power right it used to be um, that um, a lot of the uh, celebrated uh, methods like design thinking right for creativity this you know even term creative confidence that. Um, the Kelly brothers from IDO have been very successful at putting forth. Um, what we're seeing is that a lot of these methods bring with them very Western um, 
Cartesian ways of problem solving that, that you know, have a lot of merits. And we have the research to show that in product innovation, for example, the toolkits and the, the you know, the five-step processes of design thinking can, in fact, you know, with other, with other work, be very effective, right, at uh, moving production uh, innovations forward. But we're seeing the limits, and I think what's an exciting moment in time right now that I would say, you know, for the next generation of, of practitioners and designers and creatives, um, you have to pay attention to, is that there's a real recognition that there are really limits to that, and that there are many plural ways of, of designing that are coming from um, many other communities and many other schools of thought, you know, from the global south. And that is enriching, frankly, the conversation. Um, and it's really helping us see um, that uh, we have to really watch out for our own sort of mental models. Yeah. And when you walk into these spaces, um, be again, you know, confident and proud of what you can bring and contribute to, and really be open to uh, be challenged and to listen and to explore, you know, other ways of, of problem solving uh, that are very um, connected to perhaps a different cultural and social context. And and again, be humble. What's your vision for the future? of design for social innovation. We have moved from dealing with complicated challenges and a post-industrial design context, um, yeah. uh, you know, to a complex world, right? To a world of wicked problems, problems that are really interdependent. And the pandemic has shown that interdependency um, and the fr fragile state of our planet as we are, you know, processing um, this IPCC report that has come out in, in you know, uh, a few weeks ago in August of this year um, for grounding the climate change uh, meeting in Glasgow in November. We're seeing the uh, limitations of our, you know, what we call the Anthropocene world, right? This world yeah. where it's all been about human beings driving, driving the agenda. And uh, so the vision for, for design education and for design for social innovation going forward really needs to be about um, having a, a much more systems kinds of, you know, system approach to these issues, understanding that we have to design thinking about infrastructures that um, have been designed again in the 20th century uh, you know, organizations and companies where we have a lot of uh, legacies um, that were that were put in place when we knew that there were you know correlations and linear really linear manners of predicting what might happen next and managing managing that. Now we know that you know change has accelerated. The rate of change has accelerated. The complexity is uh, so large that it is no longer possible to uh, to try to design without the awareness of that system, without the awareness that you know one uh, you know one intervention in one part of the system can have you know catastrophic effects in another if you're not um, 
if you're not connecting those dots. So I think we have to have a much stronger emphasis in um, in programs that look at systems that look at, uh, as we were saying earlier, multidisciplinary um, opportunities for for designers to really come, um, you know, to be confronted with with the logics of these other disciplines and be enriched and also contribute to them. Design influences how people feel, think and behave. It is a design and an expression that inspires a culture of creativity and allows people to interact in meaningful ways. Setting the right conditions, atmosphere and environment inspires creativity, art and beauty that people adapt and react to and reflect in their life and work. It affects how they view and interpret the world around them, their capacity to become self-actualized and their ability to live fulfilled and happy lives. Creativity expands the mind, broadens our perspectives and helps us eradicate prejudices. A creative society is one where we feel autonomous and free to express ourselves. Uniqueness, diversity and self-expression are all acknowledged and celebrated through constructive support in developing our ideas. Society shapes who we are, just as our personal and collective identities shape society and future generations. People in teams and communities have a sense of belonging, which shapes our self-image by influencing how we see ourselves, how we interact with others, and how we respond to situations by trying out new ideas, experimenting with new ways of thinking and problem solving. But if you're wondering how this all fits in with business, it's a logical progression as the purpose of organizational development is to provide leading edge thinking, practice and programs. You cannot curate a culture of creativity by subscribing to it or buying it from a shelf because it is a social system about values, skills, craftsmanship and a way of doing that needs to be embraced and practiced throughout an organization to nurture people to create without fear. You have been listening to the Unknown Origins podcast. Please follow, subscribe, rate and review us. For more information, go to unknownorigins.com. Thank you for listening.